Hello and welcome to the Knowing Self, Knowing Others podcast, the fortnightly podcast discussing self-aware leadership with thinkers from around the globe. Join me, your host, Nia Thomas, as we talk to today's guest. I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Gabriella Brown today. She is the Director of Working Well, and she's a senior consultant with over 20 years experience in applying psychoanalysis and systems theory in the workplace. Uh, Gabriella has a background in education and training and for many years she taught on the master's degree at the Tavistock in psychoanalytic and systemic approaches to understanding and consulting to organisations. Gabriella specialises in leadership development, team dynamics, conflict resolution and mediation, organisational change and culture. She's also the author of All That We Are, Uncovering the Hidden Truths Behind Our Behaviour at Work, which makes her the perfect guest to help us explore and learn more about self-aware leadership. Gabriella, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here. It seems like a very good fit. So let's start with our first question to really embed us into this conversation of self-awareness. How do you define self-awareness and really what does it mean for you? Because you're coming at this from the perspective of psychoanalysis, which is quite specific. It is. What psychoanalysis does that is very specific is take into account the unconscious. Okay. So me really being self-aware includes making some of what's in our unconscious conscious okay that is the that is the ultimate as it were as far as we can get I think with self-awareness but we can't all we we don't generally do that for ourselves it's too difficult it's not really possible we can get glimpses but we can't do it as if we were in a patient in analysis and obviously we're not all going to go into analysis so if we come down from that or or move sideways from that for me it is it's much more than the kind of psychometric testing which is fine but it's a kind of at a fairly superficial level like I'm an introverted or an extroverted thinker or whatever it is For me, it's much more about understanding our difficult stuff as well as our good stuff. So we all have, we're all contradictory inherently. We're built that way. And we all have a constructive part with, you know, things like empathy and compassion and hope and love and all of those things. And we also have, all of us have a destructive part which will be violence and negative aggression. Aggression can also be positive. Envy, all of those qualities as well. We all have, we we differ very much in what those two parts look like and what the balances of those two parts were each different. And also it differs a bit over time and what we're up against and what our environment is. But for me, self-awareness does include knowing something of our potential and our constructive self and something of our destructive self and how that bears out in in our relationships and in our roles. Oh, fascinating. So if I were to try and summarise that then in my layman's terms, if we think about it in terms of 
yin and yang that we have different parts of us and maybe the yin and the yang are slightly different shapes and they're more weighted in one person to one side or the other is that what we're saying that psychoanalysis is trying to do is trying to uncover and unearth the whole of you yes it's trying to get to the whole of you as far as it's possible to but it's also trying to help you to reconcile your different contradictory parts and live your to your best capacity, which will be different for each of us. So it isn't suddenly saying, well, these are your negative parts, let's get rid of them. When I first went into psychoanalysis, I think I was under the illusion that I'd come out as a kind of perfect person. <laughs> and of course that doesn't happen. But it is about that you learn to tolerate what's not great in yourself and you learn you can even learn to use some of the difficult stuff in a positive way so that's what it's about that definitely resonates with what other guests have talked to me about in terms of being brutally honest with yourself and I think that's what you're saying it's that recognizing the bits that that maybe are difficult for you to appreciate and accept and to work with it rather yeah. than try and fight it and try and work against it? Yeah. What are your thoughts on the relationship between self-awareness and leader effectiveness? I think there's a hugely close link between the two of them. Um, as a leader, you have power, you have impact, and I think you have responsibility to use those well and not every leader does. And I think if you don't know yourself well, you can be doing all sorts of creating all sorts of difficulties for other people. One of the things that psychoanalysis shows us that we do, and it's very normal, where we can't bear things about ourselves, the unconscious splits it off and projects it out. So if I can't bear my envy, my unconscious will recognise who around me is a good hook for envy. The unconscious is very good at spotting another unconscious that will receive this well. So they'll get the right hook. And let's say that's one of my team. And so that person has a bit of envy themselves. But now what happens is I don't, I'm not recognising my envy. I'm not recognising that I'm now pushing it out and pushing it into them. And what I then do is behave towards them as if they're very envious. And of course, I wind them up. So they become more envious. And then I sit back. I'm making this a bit simplistic, but I think it illustrates it. I sit back and say, look at how envious that person is without any clue that that poor person has been lobbed with a dollop of my envy, which I then wind up in them, to go on top of their own envy. So actually, if we don't have any awareness, we can be quite damaging to other people. And if we're a leader, we have more chance of being damaging just because our position and our power and our impact. And I'm, I'm, that's it was such a helpful way of describing that because I, I guess I've heard people talk about the fact that you project your the things that you don't like about yourself onto others but I've never heard it described that way and that is really helpful because that 
adding your dollop onto somebody else, I understand that and that makes absolute sense. And that you then wind them up to behave like that. Absolutely. So it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy, whereas your deficit becomes somebody else's deficit and, and on and on it goes and it becomes the bigger and bigger snowball. I mean, occasionally you'll just dollop it without the winding up bit, but you might also quite lightly do the winding up bit as well. It's interesting. My definition of self-awareness, it has three layers. It's reflection, which is internal, recognition, which bridges that internal to external, and then I have regulation. And I think what you're saying is that those elements together helps you identify those things that you're projecting and helps you stop winding each other up with those deficits or those, those things that you're not able to identify? Absolutely. And you won't, none of us can do it 100%. But I think the more we know of ourselves and the more we can kind of tolerate, like rather than madly getting exporting stuff that we can't bear, we can actually sit with them and okay, I'm kind of an envious person. I'm going to deal with it. The more we can do that, the better we are in terms of being around other people and and leading other people. Do you think that effective leaders can be found at all levels of organisations? And and really, what experience do you have that, that makes you suggest that that is a thing or it's not a thing? I definitely think that they can be at all levels of an organisation. Sometimes it's a team member who is an informal leader, lower down in an organisation. I've worked in an organisation and up at the top level, there are problems with awareness and they've got no clue of the impact that they're having down the system. And lower down the system, they're much more aware of what is happening both ways, what they're getting from the top and what they're giving to the top. And I've coached people to try and help them to get the top level more aware, which is obviously difficult. One of the stories that you share in your book, one of the very early stories, is that you were working with a team who had just lost their previous therapist or or their, their coach who was working with them. And you mention a character called Brian, and that actually Brian was the manager leader in name and in job title, but actually they didn't function as that leader, but there were other people within that team who were stronger or more confident or maybe just louder, who seemed to be leading the team and setting the tone and the attitude of the team. Yes, yes. Good example. He he wasn't able to lead really at all. And one thing that happens in teams is teams will unconsciously choose a leader for a particular purpose. If they are very anxious and they go into a certain state of mind, like they're in a state of mind that just wants to have a fight or flee because they think everybody's an enemy, a lot of people will recognise that. Like where there's a lot of aggro between management and staff or whenever you get into them and us that's very polarised, you can feel a kind of fight-flight dynamic going on. And a team in that state of mind will choose unconsciously the best person to fight or flee. And when that person, when they're in a different state of mind, they'll ruthlessly depose that person and choose somebody else. So that's why you'll see in teams sometimes somebody leading who isn't the leader at all. And they might be 
off their own bat, but they might have been put there by the team. Isn't that interesting? So we talk so much about leadership. But maybe we should be talking more about followership, because if you, as you're saying, that we put leaders in those positions because we we want them to use their skill and their ability and their behaviours to do what we need them to do at that point in time, maybe we need to talk more about the followers. I think it's a really important area and one that we neglect, actually. I do think it's very important to talk about leaders, but we also need to talk about followers and talk about the dynamics. But I, I certainly think you can have strong leaders at different levels. I'm just working somewhere at the moment where a leader at a lower level is has got far more capacity than the boss, far more capacity than the boss. And I'm trying to help that leader think about how to handle it. And it's very tricky for that leader. But also for me, you know, professionally, I can't say, well, yeah, your boss is not up to much. You know, I can't say that. And I would not say that. But, you know, it's a very difficult situation. Absolutely. So there is also something about managing upwards there that we need to think about. Very much so. And I think the thing about why people can be better at different levels, it's not necessarily goes with the top level, is that it might be that they're much more self-aware. It might be about self-awareness. Which brings us very nicely onto the next question. Do you think that leaders at the most strategic level of organisations have greater self-awareness than leaders at other levels of organisations? And really, what's your experience that's informed your view? Ah, yes. (laughs) That is the question. Um, I don't think they necessarily have more awareness. And that's exactly that, that illustration informs my view. And I've met it on many an occasion. I think it really varies according to the organisation's culture. So some organisations promote people purely because they have particular skills in particular areas, or they're brilliant with external partners, or they're brilliant with data, or, you know, those, those things they promote. And what they don't think about is, the self-awareness and what that is going to do within the overall organisation. That's why I don't think it necessarily follows that the strategic people are the most aware. It's interesting. I'm, I'm having more and more conversations about the fit between the individual in the team and the team in the organisation. So I I guess my area of interest is very much about the individual and how an individual interacts with other people. So very much the initial transaction of um, relationships. But the more that we talk about it, those relationships radiate out. And if your organisational strategy or your organisational stance um, or tolerance even as an organisation isn't at the right place, the self-awareness of the individual can be neither here nor there. Totally right. It really, And the individual might in the end feel that all they can do is go, yeah. is leave the organisation because they can't do anything within it because of the culture of the organization and what you've just talked about near is the systemic bit i use two aspects of systems thinking one is open systems thinking where 
um, simplistically and a bit brutally, you think about an organisation like a body. So you have to take in things and you have to let things out. We have to take in air. We have to take in food. We have to go to the loo. We have to breathe out, you know, otherwise we die. And organisations are the same. They have to take things in across their boundaries, do something to them and let them out in a slightly different form. Um, and open systems theory also thinks very much about role, task and authority. So how we are in our role depends on the task and the authority. So that's, I find, very helpful. But I also use thinking from systemic family therapy, which I also find really helpful. And in that case, if, say, if parents are pulling the hair out about their eight-year-old daughter, don't know what to do, if they take the daughter to a regular child therapist, the child therapist will absolutely meet with mum and dad as well, but basically be treating the daughter. If they take the daughter to a systemic family therapist, the systemic family therapist will think there's a problem with the system. And this child is representing something and shouting in, in bad behaviour that this system is not working and it's not okay. And if we don't work sort out the system, something that, you know, the daughter might become fine and then but the system might not change. And somebody else might get ill or not perform well. And I think that can be really true in organisations and people can be too quick to think that person is a problem. Let's get rid of that person without stopping to think, what is that person representing for us as an organisation? Why are they like that? And it may be, sometimes it is the individual, of course, but sometimes something's going on in the system that needs to be thought about. Otherwise, you'll intervene at the wrong level. So in a way, organisations need to pool self-awareness as well. Isn't that fascinating? And I think that individual awareness, team awareness and organisational awareness is something that I don't think that we are talking about. In the same way that we're not talking enough about followers, I don't think we're talking about systems. Because I think we generally talk about systems when we're talking about organisations is other organisations that are working with us or partnering with us. We tend to think about the system that's beyond us as opposed to the system that we are. I agree. And I think it's really helpful and important to think about the system that we are. I think there are, there's more about system stuff that's really helpful, I find. We don't think about the unconscious aspect of system either. Like if something happens at one bit of an organisation, we don't realise or we like to kid ourselves that it won't somehow trickle through to other parts of the organisation. And it does. You know, we pick up that something's going on over there. We may not know we've picked it up, but something isn't quite right and people will respond. So it's almost the butterfly effect that actually the butterfly flaps its wings in the CEO's office, but actually everybody in the post room knows about the that, impact. Exactly that. Yeah. The other bit about systems thinking that I find really helpful is the connection of tenses. So an organisation is always impacted by its past. It's impacted by the present, obviously, but it's also impacted by its aspirations for its future. So in a way, all three tenses are happening in the present. 
of course, because we carry our baggage with us and we can never put it down. So actually we take that into our behavior, into our operating and into the culture that we want to set in the organization. Yeah. What do you think is an effective way to develop self-awareness? And and maybe this is something as part of your psychoanalysis and your, your work with clients. Is that something that you do with them? I can talk to you about what I do in, in working with individuals and coaching, but also talk to you maybe about what I think people can do on their own without Absolutely. One thing that I do, which is very, very unusual in coaching, and somebody the other day said to me, well, are you really a coach? If you do that, I'm not sure that you're a coach. And I said, well, I'm a coach in how I think of coaching, but no, I agree, it's not normal. Um, So what I do if clients are up for it, I ask them for their biography. I ask them for something of their family history their parents, their upbringing, their schooling, their relationships, all of that. Um, And they tell me that, and then we've got it in front of us together. And then we can together think when they then later they're saying, for instance, like this colleague is driving me absolutely mad. And together we might click that it's triggering something about Big Brother when they were a child growing up and actually As soon as we name it, they can think, oh, God, yeah, and this is not my brother, and I'm not at home as a child. I'm in work. I can let this go. I can just change my looking glass and let go of what's triggering it. So that's one thing that I do that is really helpful. It also alerts us to where people will be vulnerable. You know, somebody's always had to be very protective, was always protecting people as a child, and is now overprotective so we could see the patterns so it's really helpful in in that way I'll also in my work with people I'll challenge them sometimes about why they're making this assumption or what their bit is to the difficult dynamic they're describing you know what are they not seeing what impact they might have had so I might ask some I hope kindly but some quite difficult questions at times and I'll just ask people but why did they do that or why did they not tell me that or why did they tell me that or whatever it is but I think some of those things we can do for ourselves by becoming disciplined about how we observe ourselves so really trying to notice when we get wound up when we get aggravated why one day something doesn't bother us and the next day it does really trying to observe our own patterns and ask ourselves if it trig- if it reminds us of anything. Like when someone's really winding us up or a situation's annoying us or we're over the top happy, does it remind us of anything? And that might be completely illogical, irrational, something from school, something from a holiday as a child, something from parents, siblings, whatever. And if we can remember that, it might help us understand what's happening right now. That's really interesting. So I think from what you're saying is that there are some things that we can do by looking at ourselves in the mirror, but sometimes we need somebody else to hold the mirror up because there are some things that we just can't do on our own. That's totally what I'm saying, yes. Gabriella, thank you so much for joining me. Um, Before we go, 
I wonder whether you could tell us a little bit about your book because I, I'm I'm reading through it and it's really interesting and I really like the the style of storytelling that you're using to to write the book. So for listeners, please do tell us a bit more about it. Oh, thank you. I'd love to tell you about the book. Um, well, the book was a labour of toil and sweat and much love. <laughs> so it's lovely to be able to talk about it, and I am. In the end, I'm actually really proud of it. So it, uh, what I do is uncover the truths behind our behaviour at work through storytelling because I wanted to relate to people emotionally, not just intellectually. And I think stories are how we connect emotionally. And so the first part, it's in three parts. The first part is the fundamentals of being human like our aggression, our drive towards life and our drive away from life, all of those things. The second part is how it's really our destructive part. It's all how it plays out at work, different illustrations of that, different stories about that from from my work, very much disguised, obviously, to protect confidentiality. And then the third part is how we, is finding ourselves. So that's all about our potential, our huge potential. And I also, in it, which became a a late thing, I use my own, I always knew I'd use some of my own thinking, but I didn't realise until late on that I'd use my own experiences. So there's some memoir and biography in it that were a big surprise to me. But I, readers tell me that that really helps them because they can really relate. And in the end, what I thought is if I'm talking about all that we are, I have to include me. I can't say all that everybody else is, but not me. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Amazing. Listeners, we will make sure that there are links in the show notes to the book as well as to Gabriella's website so that if you want to connect with her and find out more about psychoanalysis or you want to find out more about the book, then you certainly can do. Gabriella, it's been really great having a conversation with you. Thank you so much for joining me. I, I've learned so much that I didn't have a clue about in terms of psychoanalysis and systems thinking. So thank you so much. It's been brilliant. It's been brilliant too. Thank you very much, Nia. Thank you for joining me, your host, Nia Thomas, and my guest on today's episode. Remember to rate and review this podcast on your favourite podcast player and to join me in two weeks' time for the next episode. Looking forward to having you on my learning journey. The Knowing Self, Knowing Others podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Index, Overcast, Amazon Music, Podcast Addict, Castro.